Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, my name is Andre and this is the Tennis and Bagels podcast, a podcast about essentially everything tennis, from history to news, and today we are actually going to talk about something a little bit different from what I intended this to be from the get-go, but I'm always down for changes and uh, improving my content, so uh, what I actually ended up we are going to talk about today, I'm sorry, is going to be video games. Yes, and... Uh, just a little bit of back background about myself is that I actually am a big fan of uh, gaming in general and I really love playing tennis games as well. I keep trying to find always the best uh, tennis game that will provide me with the best experience and I found a couple that are really um, interesting and really entertaining. But the reason why I'm talking about um, gaming today is not really because of my passion. It's, well, a little bit because of that, but mostly because... Um, since the coronavirus hit, uh, tennis hasn't been on for the past month, month and a half or so. So what ended up happening right now is that the tournament of that was supposed to be happening around this time of year in Madrid um, ended up happening a virtual tennis tournament for the stars to play at home as as. Um, the ATP and WTA right now are with this sort of campaign in which um, they are promoting tennis at home hashtag. So um, they come up with like different challenges and things to do while at home and how do you practice tennis or how do you um, do things related to tennis at home. And it's really fun to see that on social media. But right now, the biggest thing is really the this tournament that they held with the ATP and WTA stars, which it was it was was something. Let's just put it this way right now. It was definitely something, and I really like the value of it. So this is what I'm going to be talking about in this episode. So to start, the Madrid Open is actually a major event in both the ATP and the WTA to, uh, tours, and uh, it's played on clay. Uh, it's part of the European clay court season leading up to Roland Garros. And um, funny enough, even though it's a clay court, it wasn't necessarily dominated by Rafa Nadal. He only won five times, but that is compared to how how much he dominated the other tournaments, winning Barcelona, I believe, 10 times. Uh, Monte Carlo, he won 11. Um, he won nine times at Rome and 12 times at Roland Garros, the, the Grand Slam itself. It's It's funny to think that the actual tournament that he won the most is the Grand Slam and not a smaller one but 
I guess he probably puts a little bit more effort into it. And also Grand Slams are more difficult to win in general. So um, because there are five sets and the pressure is bigger. So yeah, it's a lot of factors that just go that go into it. But yeah, and uh, Madrid is also a, pl- a place where Roger Federer has won a couple times. And one of them, he actually beat Nadal um, in straight sets. He was coming from, Nadal was coming from... Uh, a big clay court season in which he'd won, I think, two or three tournaments prior. And uh, I believe he won Rome right before that, or Monte Carlo, or Barcelona, actually, right before Madrid, because they do Madrid, uh, Barcelona and Madrid one after the other. And I'm pretty sure he won Barcelona and then went on to go to uh, Madrid, and he reached the final where he lost to Roger Federer in 2009, 6464 6, 4. and also 2009 was the year where Djokovic pushed Nadal to a 4-hour semifinal in Madrid right before Nadal faced Roger Federer. It was an incredible match by the way. Um and uh yeah, uh things that I was doing that I actually um learned while researching for this episode is that the actually the Madrid tournament rather um they already have a virtual tournament not for professionals, as in not for the sport tennis professionals like Andy Murray and uh, Federer and Nadal, people like that. It's not for, for people, for those stars, but it's, they have a virtual tennis tournament using the same game, Tennis World Tour, um, for um, just anyone who actually wants to sign up and try to cl- um, qualify for it. So I just I just recently found that out, and who knows, maybe one day I'll I'll try and, and get it. Except I think it's only played on PS4, so I don't have a PS4, and I'm don't, I'm not really planning on getting one. So maybe when they open up for PC or Xbox, maybe I'll jump in. Who knows? But yeah, and the uh, the prize money for it is actually quite quite high. It's it's five thousand euros. So who wouldn't want that so that's that's pretty good um but for this particular tournament um with the the ATP and WTA professional stars um the prize money was 150,000 euros and they were to decide the winners on how much they actually want to give to the player fund that they are coming up with right now so because of all the situation um the coronavirus situation, everything is closed down, and uh, a lot of lower-ranked players, they're struggling financially, or at least that's what it seems, because um, believe it or not, if you're in, like, below the 200s, or maybe below the 100 uh, ranking mark, you're not really making that much money. If if you lose, if they're not really playing the, the, big, the big tournaments all the time, and uh, the the value of your prize money drops drastically like when you leave the 200 ATP 250 which is the lowest um official ATP tournament uh in the ATP tour really um so below that there is a challenger tour uh which is it's kind of the same as the ATP tour but it, the tournaments are not counting as the, the ATP tour it's counted as the ATP challenger tour which is a different um, kind of like a different tour, but counts points for the same rankings and stuff like that. But they just their value in terms of ranking and prize money is much much lower than um, the tour, the ATP tour tournament. So um, that's that. That's why players below 
a certain ranking really are struggling right now because they kind of are aren't really having any means to make money and that's why they are trying to come up with this and uh there's a whole lot of uh problems and uh, discussions around that situation which are completely worth it like worth another episode episode entirely so um before that i'm just gonna move on to to this and just as a final note the tournament the madrid tournament is donating an additional fifty thousand euros to reduce the social impact of covid 19 as per they've written on their website so let's move on to the actual tournament, how it worked. It was based on um, on group phases. So there was a round, round robin to a quarterfinals and semifinals and a final. In the round robin, there were four groups um, with four players uh, in each group in both the ATP and the WTA side. Um, and the men played in their own bracket and the women played in their own bracket, um, which I actually think maybe in the future they could consider having both play in the same tournament that would be really fun too like it would be kind of a very interesting idea to bring both tours together so they they could play against each other i think that would be really interesting especially right now where they're having lots of talks about um joining forces joining the association really the, the atp and the wta together in one single association um and for that i'll actually probably do an episode about this whole thing for the next week, uh, since this week I really wanted to talk about just this tournament that's going on because that's that's what's been really hot right now actually, and I think there's a lot of potential in it. So, um, there's a few things that I wanted to comment specifically about the tournament. So, first of all, the game that we're played that that is being played, as I mentioned, is called Tennis World Tour, and this game is available for pretty much all the platforms that you can imagine and except for mobile so it's on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC and Nintendo Switch even. So um the PC version which I downloaded and I have a review video on it um on my Instagram page and on my Facebook page if you want to check it out. It's uh, at tennis and bagels on Instagram and slash tennis and bagels on Facebook. You can follow me and like my page. And watch my video about um, to see footage of the game, see how it plays, and how did I um, how did I feel playing the game? But yeah, so the game itself has um, a lot of issues, and the PC version I think it's probably the most flawed of them because PC gaming normally has a tendency of having a game that is not necessarily very finished in a lot of ways. But it's also the problem that you have a lot more control in the sense of how you want the graphics to be. Whereas on uh, consoles like Switch and Xbox One and PS4, the game is the game is ready to be played and is going to always play with the same graphics. So yeah, I they, since they were playing on PS4, I believe the game actually ran much better than it would have in on PC. But it still had so many lags that it caused a few issues but luckily it's not necessarily like a like the the real deal for those players so they were able to just kind of like laugh it off and it was fun so start because of that like i actually want to talk about the pros and cons that i've kind of came up with a tiny list about things that i think are important to to comment on on this on this tournament held virtually so the first pro is that I, I thought it was actually super entertaining. 
um, lots of people actually weren't necessarily very, um, didn't actually think it was a very engaging thing to do, to watch tennis online. And even, I will admit, I did not watch all of the matches. I did not follow like every single match. Um, but I did um, enjoy the matches that I've watched. And I watched a little bit of the final between Andy Murray and David Goffin. Um, and also the final between Kiki Burton and, and Farrow. I forgot, I forget her name. Fiona Farrow, yeah. So I watched a little bit of those matches and it was, it was fun to, to watch. They actually produced nice shots and because I know the game and I like this type of game, I felt it was pretty engaging to me. I was really um immersed in it like i could really just kind of like not necessarily feel the tension right but really enjoy the match as it was and i had a good time so that for me was was pretty good and i already have a a habit of um like a hobby a hobby that i have for myself is i like watching gameplay videos on youtube so i watch a lot of that already it's been it's been years that i've been watching tons of youtube channels on gaming so it wasn't necessarily all that different for me in that sense, except I was actually watching professional tennis players playing a tennis game. And I don't necessarily watch a lot of sporting video games, but it's tennis and I love tennis, so I always give that a little a little bit more uh <laughs> more room for me to to I accept that way more, way better than other sporting games. So even with all the bugs, it actually Ended up being quite funny. Uh, that was another thing about about in my pros list is that it was actually kind of funny to watch, and a lot of the times because I said the players uh, laughed off a lot of the lagging, the, the the connection lags, and the game issues with the bugs and stuff. Um, it made the game really funny to watch at a few times. There's a lot of uh, excerpts on on Twitter on. That were cuts from the actual lives that they picked from players making commentary on their on the game and you know on their their playing styles and stuff like that. So it was it was it was really funny. It was really um, a light atmosphere, kind of very lighthearted. People were just kind of having fun, having a good time. It wasn't necessarily the tense atmosphere that you see when players walk on court because they they are far more engaged, they are far more focused, and they are far more serious. Whereas right now, they're just kind of really just playing games together and having fun. So because the game has a, oftentimes a bad habit of necessarily responding very well to your commands, um, oftentimes the players would come up with commentaries like, I have really no idea what's going on. I have no idea what I did. Because it's sometimes they just press a button, you're expecting something to happen and something totally different happens. For example, for me, oftentimes I try to slice the ball back on court but I ended up just hitting a regular topspin. Or sometimes I just want to do a topspin and the guy just kind of like pulls off a drop shot weirdly. And I can press the button to chart up a, a flat shot. So like a very attacking shot. And sometimes it will go really, really strong. And sometimes I do the exact same thing. And the shot is 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 very soft and lame. And so it the game necessarily is it's hard to feel that you're in control oftentimes but it's still and it make it makes it fun in its own way um to watch players actually play it not when i'm playing it myself it's very frustrating but 
um, you can just kind of like laugh it off because at the end of the day, it's just a video game. So yeah, and it's a, it's a thing as well because I'm... Um, and the other thing in the list that I wanted to mention is as I am able to comment even on my own experience is that because it's a video game, you can play at the same level as they are playing. So um, you can feel like you have something very much in common with those players, which really brings you very much closer to them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of like gives them a very human aspect and when you see them playing um at home they're just like kind of like on their couches and having talks with their, their family and friends who are, who are there or whatever that's that's really something that is very engaging for for fans like me who really enjoy um knowing more about the player uh the players themselves and not necessarily just watch the matches i kind of like like to dig into not necessarily personalize but just kind of like knowing some of the things that they that they like to do and you know just kind of like a fan habit right you just want to know always a little bit more and um about the the people that that you're following about your idols in a sense and it's really hard to say that in a non-creepy way by the way but i'm trying really hard um i do want to respect their privacy as much as i possibly can and yeah so i'm not one of those crazy fans that try to figure out their phone number as the email addresses and try it in wherever they they live i'm not ever going to be one of those people far from me please so yeah so the other two things um that i wanted to mention that are really big pros in my in my perspective is that it's it's free so you can just tune into facebook and you watch the live and um you pay no fees for that whereas for if you want to watch tennis like real life tennis you obviously have to pay a fee if you want to make a get a subscription on tennistv.com or if you want to have cable or satellite TV, you have to pay a fee for those things. So it's not some some are cheaper than others, but it's not free. And you can never really beat free in the marketing game. So the one thing that is a little lame is that the fact that the stream quality is not as great, but all in all, you can tune into Twitch and you can even uh, rewatch the um, the videos from the live streams later. That's kind of like how I watched a few of the matches. I just went back and rewatched them because they're on Facebook. If you're, if you're interested in actually checking it out, you can just look it up on, on Facebook and the video is there. And a few of the matches are actually also on Twitch uh, because they actually were using Twitch to make the live stream. So if you actually kind of use it's not really a backdoor but just kind of like a hack you you go on twitch and you use the game tag for tennis world tour you can find the actual player streams and that gets rid of most of the lag and the quality is pretty pretty decent and you get to hear the players talking with no interruptions from the actual commentators and uh, the last thing that i want to talk about as i mentioned they gave away money for COVID-19 things, uh, related things. And so the game really proves itself to be a really great for charity um, event um, because it's free, because it's, it brings people together. It's just a lot of fun. And the, game, the, the tournament lasted for just four days. It's, and it's kind of like a low commitment in a, in a way, like from, from fans, you can just tune in and watch whenever you want. 
So I feel like it's, it has great potential to um, to grow in that in that sense as a charity tournament, as a charity thing, and even to bring players together as uh, ATP and WTA. My now moving on for my biggest cons that I find with the the, the, the tournament is um, well. I have a few of them. I most of the things that I could talk about it, it I actually kind of mentioned in my video uh, of the video review okay, that you can again watch on, on Facebook on my page Tennis and Bagels or on my uh, Instagram account. It's on IGTV uh, at Tennis and Bagels, so you can go watch it. And that is going to be a lot on the the game itself. That is a problem. And yeah, so as I said, like the game itself, it's it's a it's a big con of the, the tournament. I'm not saying that they should try to find another game. I'm pretty sure every game will have its different problems. But um, I think that they should try to figure out a way to um, get the game to lag less, in a sense. Whether it is by setting up a different server, setting up um, like something that is actually better with the company that designed the game. I don't know, maybe some technological um, hacking in the sense to try to make at least their version better than our version. Whether it is more expensive or not, I don't necessarily care. But if you're doing like an event that is being watched by hundreds of thousands of people, maybe even millions, I think you should try and get, like, get it as as best as you can. And just to give a little bit of a of a a perspective on how the game can be a problem to to the actual quality of the event itself is that the responsiveness of the characters and the lagging caused um, players to lose points and for example Kiki, Kiki Burton's winning point was a lag. If you actually go on Facebook and, and you watch it, Fiona Farrell was serving, she hit a good serve in and then um the ball got returned by Kiki and Fiona Farrow just kind of like hit a forehand um, down the line, but the point just went to Burton. So she just won the match out of a leg point. And that that's just really lame to, to watch, even though it's just a lighthearted atmosphere. It's not, it's not a fun thing to see. It's like, oh, that sucks. Like how lame to end the tournament that way. And, uh, the responsiveness of the characters were not that great. As I mentioned, um, I wanted to do a slice, and sometimes you get a um, you get a backhand uh, topspin or whatever. And sometimes you just try to press the buttons, and the characters just don't do anything. They just go up to the ball and do nothing to just let the ball bounce. So that happens a couple times when uh, Andy Murray was playing David Goffin, Um and that was actually a really fun match. Most of the time, the match actually ran pretty smoothly, and uh, the point, the final point, was not one on a lag, and that's a that's a positive point. And this shouldn't I shouldn't be saying that this is a positive thing. It should be a neutral thing. It should be a thing that always happens. But yeah, like gaming online has those problems. It is it's always been the struggle with the lag and the connect and connection issues. So yeah. Um, the other thing it's uh, that the game can get a bit repetitive. Um, as I mentioned in my video, the rallies can get just really, really long because it's nearly impossible to outrun a player, to outhit a player, to hit 
a player just just to blow a player off of the court. You know, you can't hit a ball hard enough that they're not gonna get there. Even if you hit the corners in succession with like great angles, it's very likely that it, that the other player, that your opponent's gonna get there, is gonna return that shot. So that's a little lame, and it can affect uh, viewership. But the fact that it's free kind of like compensates for that in a way. Uh, at least I didn't pay for something that is that I don't want to watch. Like I can watch it like for five minutes and then tune off, uh, tune out for a bit, and then come back later and watch the rest of the match, or even just rewatch it entirely. So that's cool. But it it does get a little repetitive. And another point that is should really um, they should really try to get it better is the stream quality. Um, I'm not sure if this is because of Facebook, but as I mentioned, if you go to Twitch, um, the stream don't lose quality essentially at all. But on Facebook, it, the, it seemed like the bit rate was really low. So um, that's a lot of like technical um, talk. If I start talking about bit rating, bit rates, and um, the frame rates per uh, frame per seconds and stuff like that. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. Like it, regardless of your resolution, if it's 1920, um, 1080 actually, or if it's 720, if your bitrate is really low and really bad, you're just going to see lots of pixels and um, it's gonna be like, um, the image is gonna freeze in place, but you're still gonna hear the sound and just gonna, and the image is gonna catch up later. So that happened a little bit too often on the uh, Facebook live stream. And maybe it's because of a connection between Twitch and Facebook. Maybe uh, data got lost in the middle of that. Like there's a lot of compression around those things. Compression is never good, by the way. Um, so yeah. The other con, which may be just because of experience in the sense that they might get better later with it, is just really the commentators, man. It's... I don't know. I don't know if it's just because I am used to seeing gaming videos where I, where I'm actually hearing the the player talk, not somebody else. But also because they comment on it like as if as if they're playing in real life, and it doesn't seem like a character. It doesn't seem like they're doing this like ironically or just to put on a show. It really does look like they're talking about it as if. Um, it was actually like how they think about it. It's kind of oh my gosh, he just really, just really hit such a good forehand down the line. Wow, how did he pull that off? It's kind of, it's a game, man. Like anybody can do that. It's like it's not, it's not impossible to. It's not like you're watching, and it's also like not like a, one of those major games like uh, Super Smash Bros. where, or fighting games where you actually need a lot of skill to play. Like tennis games. They do require much less of you. And in this game, as I said, like it can essentially run every ball. So yeah, um I don't I don't think that they should be doing commentary like that. I think they should try to be a little bit more um lighthearted as well, try to maybe make some like poke some fun out of it, you know, just if they're gonna make comments like this, kind of like being a little bit more ironic or stuff like that, you know. They can try to get a little bit more experience with the gaming um, world to try and deliver better comments or just leave it to the players altogether. Because Andy Murray, for example, he was killing it with the commentary. Like you're going to see tons of videos on Twitter about Andy Murray and his um, self-commenting on his shots and stuff like that. It was just really, really fun to see him commenting. And if you watch it on Facebook, 
the commentators they they talk over the players so um makes it a little bit uh it was a little lame in that regard so yeah maybe they can get some experience in the future to do that and i totally um i totally wish that they would do it again actually i didn't i didn't hate it i actually really liked it so um and the final con final bad thing that, uh, in this list is that the player levels was very different it's not like just because you play professional tennis in real life you're good at video games some of those players i believe they just never really picked up the game ever maybe some of those players even just purchased a playstation 4 just to be able to play this game i don't know um who like if, if that holds true but like i'm I'm pretty sure some of those players never really actually play the game very much. Um, they never really try to actually understand how the game mechanics were or stuff like that. So you, you got stuck with players who are really, really good and some players who are um, maybe just average at best. Andy Murray was a really good player. And as I could see, David Goffin was actually also a good player. David Goffin being the finalist. And that was a good match. But overall... There was a lot of uh, group stage matches that were just kind of lame, you know. The difference in level was too big not to be noticed in that way. So maybe they can do better in, in that selection part or, um, I don't know, maybe somehow find, figure out a way to do so. Um, if they add it to the calendar or such, like you can actually even get players to actually practice, who knows. So that that's a thing that they could that they could do but yeah just to conclude now i just wanted to talk about how i feel like this could um move on in the future but as in i believe this was probably the first time that they did this i've never heard of anything like this before in terms of a video game tournament with real players in real life um so i think there's a lot of potential there i think there's a big market to to satisfy this and a lot of lots of uh, fans to go and reach in different ways and lots of people who are not necessarily big tennis tennis fans but they like gaming and they might like sporting games so this could be an interesting thing to do uh, and they, I'm not saying that they should do um, for every single tournament for every single big tournament they should I'm not sure if they should do like a every Grand Slam they should have a virtual tournaments as well like that's probably not uh, feasible players have other things to worry about like actually playing tennis in real life but if they could do it like maybe a once a year um tournament during the off season in december that would be fun because there is no tennis in december as well right i know that they're in the during the, the off season but i don't know maybe they could get a a weekend tournament or something along those lines and there's tons of room for improvement in terms of uh figuring out how to make a how to make it a better experience for the viewers how to make the tennis be being being watched even if it's virtual to be more tennis and less commenting because there was a lot of there was a lot of talking between matches that was there was a lot of waiting so i don't know i didn't actually feel like there was a an inviting conversation i just kind of thought it was a little bit boring if they could get this to become like a like an actual show instead of just them commenting as if they would do in real life and uh, like about an actual um, real life tour um, tennis tournament or something like that. 
if they kind of try to treat this as more like an internet type of entertainment, I feel like they could um, get a much higher viewership. If they kind of like tr were to base themselves off of uh, internet shows or people who are actually really um, active on online, like for example, Jamie Fallon, I think they could get a really, really good product out of it. And who knows, maybe they can get different games to be played. There are, there are tons of tennis video games. I've tested a bunch of them. And um, before some of them uh, in my, from the top of my head, the list that I've made were uh, Tennis Elbow 2013, Top Spin, Virtual Tennis, um, Dream Match Tennis, Grand Slam for the Nintendo Wii, uh, Mario Tennis, and there's also the actual Wii Sports. The Tennis Wii Sports in the Wii Sports is actually a really, really fun game. And it is actually quite responsive. It's probably one of the best motion controls for the Wii in any game that I've ever played. So I think that's, that's actually a really good um, game to play. Maybe not for an online thing, but who knows? Um, maybe they can figure it out. Actually, actually the Wii cannot really be used for online purposes anymore because the online platform for the Wii was discontinued, so they cannot use that anymore. But honestly, if they were to play Mario Tennis, that would be so much fun. I think, I think it would be hilarious to see players using um, Yoshi or Peach to play games. Um, and there's like, all the crazy courts with crazy mini games and stuff like that. Like there is endless opportunities. Obviously, the players would have to agree on playing stuff like that, and they would have to be on board. But that would be so so much fun. That would be so much fun to watch them like get frustrated about stuff like that and uh, um, playing tennis, but not tennis really you know that would be a lot of uh fun to to see this happening i think um they should really really look into that a lot in the future and really like get on um on meetings and just try to put ideas on the board and try to figure out uh things to do because the the video game world has so many opportunities to do so many things that are pretty much low effort like they were sitting on their couches they have to practice but it's not like they're pro gamers. So, you know, there is there is something there. And I think if they're smart, they should try to look at to to really invest on it, at least investing time and brains on it, if not money. But, you know, I think they can try to get a kick out of it and bring commit come up with like a really interesting and fun product for fans like me. And yeah. So that settles it. If you really want to um, check out the tournament, um, you can still watch all of the matches online. They're all on Facebook on the Mutra Madrid Open Facebook page. You can see all of the um, the matches there. You can just you have to just skip a bit from the commentators part. Um, but but um, now that uh, the live stream is over the quality of the matches, the, the quality of image is actually much higher because it's been completely buffered, so it's not a live transmission anymore. So that's that's a good thing. That's a, a very good point about all of that. But yeah, and if you want to watch my reveal again, um, you can watch it on Instagram or, um, at, um, or on Facebook. They're all on both of those pages. They're on Facebook um, slash Tennis and Bagels and Instagram at tennis and bagels so make sure you like my page and you follow my instagram account for more content like that and to know when the next podcast is is dropping so yeah um thanks for listening and um i'll see you next week bye bye
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.